every single day, me living my life and stepping outside the house is me breaking those beauty standards. You're listening to The Self-Worth Edit, the podcast inspiring South Asian women and beyond to quit playing small and start trusting the power and wisdom within. Join me, Noshin, on Mondays as I share insightful conversations, tips for healthier ways of thinking, and lessons in healing our relationships with ourselves. Thanks for tuning in to the Self-Worth Edit. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Worth Edit podcast, and welcome to a new month. Hello, September. It is nearly fall. And more importantly, nearly my birthday month in October, I am definitely a birthday celebrator for sure. I have had my first pumpkin cream cold brew of the season. Actually, it is what I have next to me right now. So we're all set on that front. Coffee is what gets me through life. Let me tell you, it is my lifeblood. It's how I get everything done that I want to get done, including this podcast. So if you've been tuning in and enjoying the show and want to support my coffee habit, which then in turn fuels this podcast, you can now contribute directly to my caffeine habit at buymeacoffee.com slash self-worth edit. I am putting the link in the show notes. Thank you in advance if you decide that's a way that you would like to support But yeah, that's right. Some genius has invented a way to support your favorite creator's caffeine addictions so that they can continue to create for you. So if I'm one of your favorite content creators, if you're enjoying this show, and if you feel so inclined, please pop over there and show your support that way. Another completely free way you can show support, of course, is to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening to this podcast, but especially on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple icon app on your phone screen. That really does help more people to find the show and learn from us. Today, we are talking with Nihar Sachdeva. This is such an inspirational one. In this episode, Nihar talks about her alopecia, which is a condition that involves hair loss, It affects different people to varying degrees, and we'll hear more about this from Nihar herself in this episode. But, you know, a common beauty standard in our communities is having long, thick hair. And Nihar shares her story as someone who struggled with hair loss because of alopecia and how she eventually made the decision to shave her head completely bald and the journey she went on to get to that point and the impact that decision has had on those around her, and how she is now normalizing breaking beauty standards. We also in this episode talk about common misconceptions and assumptions people may have about Nihar and give her an opportunity to dispel those, and we talked about how important it is to step up and be the voices that so many of us need to become those voices for others instead of waiting around for someone to emerge for us. This is a good one. So settle in and let's hear from Nihar. I think in my family, especially, we are a North Indian. I am Punjabi by my background. So we are North Indian and a lot of the kind of growing up, what I heard had to do with a few different things. I think the first thing was being fair. Um, Punjabis are known to be um, a lot, you know, 
stereotypically more fair. Um, my mother is really fair. And so that was a message that I, even till this day growing up and to this day, my grandma makes slight jabs about just my skin tone. Um, I think that, and then being skinny, that was another thing body image wise that um, growing up, I heard a lot of things around. My sister was a little chubbier growing up. She's 10 years older than me, but I remember as a child, just seeing her, you know, kind of struggle with her body image and the messaging around that, that she would receive that kind of made me um, very much think about, you know, being fair means to be pretty, being skinny means to be pretty. And then in my personal context, you know, I have been struggling for alopecia my entire life. I was diagnosed when I was six months old and another very stereotypical South Asian beauty standard is having, you know, long, thick hair. If your hair is thin, if your hair is short, um, you know, those are all signs of not being the prettiest that you can be. And in my case, I, my first recollection of my alopecia and kind of just how people would deal with it would be, I was missing an eyebrow when I was about six or seven years old. And my mom, she would fill it in with like a black eyeliner pencil or like a kajal pencil growing up whenever we would go to parties or um, any family events. And that was my first kind of, you know, this is okay. My mom's just doing this to make me look pretty. Um, she's doing her makeup. So she's doing my own makeup. And I didn't think of it any certain way, but I knew that was something. And then as I continued to grow um, into more hair loss and I started wearing a wig eventually, that became a very apparent part of, okay, I don't have hair, which means that by the standards of my culture and just the larger society as a whole, I am not pretty. And how did you arrive to where you are now, which is to quote yourself saying you are someone who normalizes breaking beauty standards? Yeah, I think there was a lot of work that went into that. There was a lot of um, life experiences, good and bad. I started losing my hair significantly when I was in the fourth grade. That led to fifth grade hair loss, sixth grade wearing a hat to school, and then towards the end of sixth grade wearing a wig. And then I spent my pretty much entire childhood to adulthood wearing a wig. I was wearing a wig up until my senior year of high school. And there was a lot of things that go into going through your very formative years, going through puberty, going through all of the big and small moments that middle school and high school brings you wearing a wig. There were so many things that I was unable to do. And I was hyper-conscious of the way that I looked at all times. And when I eventually grew all my hair back and I was without a wig for a couple of months, and when I started losing my hair again, looking at all the options that I had, okay, should I wear a wig again? What are the alternatives? How do I best approach the situation? Now that I've had, know what wearing a wig feels like, and I've had the taste of not wearing a wig. Um, that was something that I didn't want to go back to. I, I had decided to then shave my head and I approached my family with the idea of me shaving my head. I think that it didn't come easy. So 
my parents would every single day ask me what I wanted to do about my hair loss. They would come to my room every single night. My dad would come home from work, knock on the door and ask, did you think about what you want to do? Do you want to look into wigs? Do you want to wear wigs? Um, Should we go to the wig shop down, you know, in so-and-so city to look at wigs? And I did not want to wear a wig because of the trauma that it had given me because of the experiences. I felt like I was constantly hiding behind something. I felt like I was the only thing that was always on my mind at all times was, does my wig look okay? Do I need to fix my wig? Do I need to pull my wig down so it doesn't fall off? All of these different things. And I just didn't want to live in that headspace again. And so I started just telling my dad, I'm just going to shave my head. I'm just going to shave my head. And my mom had approached me one day and she said, okay, let's actually think about what you want to do. And I told her, I was like, what do you mean? I'm just going to shave my head. And she told me, she was like, Nihar, you're not going to shave your head. You're in denial. You know, and I know that you're never going to shave your head. And when she said that, I looked at her and something was lit, like a fire was lit within me. And I was like, but why am I not going to shave my head? What do you mean? What do you mean I'm not going to shave my head? And so I took that idea um, and maybe it did come out of denial. Maybe it did come because there was no other alternative solution that I was okay with. And I took that and then I talked to my family. I talked to my friends. I talked to the people in my life. and it had it was such a surprising conversation it was such a big decision which makes sense in the south asian community doing something like this is bound to raise eyebrows and bound to turn heads and it's the one thing that's going to make everyone talk and all you want to make sure is that no one talks about you i talked to my family and they understood that this was what was best for me they knew you know what i had gone through in the previous years they knew i did not want to go back into wearing a wig that it would not make me happy. And we were kind of out of options. We were like, you know, okay, there's nothing else that we can do about it. This is what she wants to do. And I had just gotten this confidence that this is what I want to do. I think at any other point in my life, I probably would have been really nervous to make such a big decision, life altering decision. But at that point, I was very confident. I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do, because what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to shave my head. And someone's going to come up to me and they're going to say, oh, you're bald. Like, obviously, I know that there's nothing that anyone can say to you after that point versus when you're hiding behind something. There's a million things that someone can say. And so once I shaved my head, um, I threw I threw a party to shave my head because I had told my mom we there was a big discussion about this. I wanted to throw a party and my mom thought that I was being really dramatic that I should just do this behind closed doors and I said that I want to throw a party because I want to celebrate this. I don't want anyone to think that I'm ashamed of making this decision, that I'm scared, that I am worried about what people are going to think of me because that's what feeds into everyone's minds. You know, that's what feeds into this like what are people going to think? And, oh, did you see that so-and-so's daughter did this? I was like, everyone's going to see it. And then no one's going to be able to say anything. When I went and shaved my head, I threw a party. I posted all my social medias. My friends posted on their social medias. And then my mother posted on her social medias. Following that, the following week, my sister, um, it was her wedding reception that we were hosting. 
And my family really talked about me postponing a week of shaving my head until after the wedding reception. And I had told my mom that I think that it is the best thing to do to shave my head before the wedding reception. And I shaved my head. I walked into the wedding reception. And unfortunately, you could see that that's all that was on anyone's minds. It was not about the bride and groom. It was not about the event or the love that we were celebrating. It was about, oh my God, what happened? Where did this come from? Like all of these people, there was like 250 of our closest family and friends. And I had, you know, met with everyone. I was talking to everyone and no one was asking me, but everyone was asking each other. And so when I went on stage to give a speech for my sister and my brother-in-law, instead of talking about their love, which I eventually did, I addressed the elephant in the room and I told everyone why I did what I did. And I just explained myself and I, and I told them, you know, you're our closest family and friends. We love you. This is why, you know, we're all here together. And this is, this is what it is. It's not contagious. There's nothing wrong with me. I just can't grow hair on my head. And I'm deciding to own it. And I'm deciding to, you know, I decided to shave my head. And after that moment in time, there was nobody that could say anything. There was nobody that could say anything to me, my family. And that was the biggest thing. I knew that this was a decision that I wanted to make, but I was also worried about the effects that it would have on my parents. I knew I was confident and I could answer anyone's questions and I could look someone in the eyes and tell them what was going on with me. But I also knew that my parents and how they were brought up and just how they viewed the world differently would not be able to do so as confidently. So I wanted to do this so I would be able to tell everyone once and for all, and I would give everyone the answer that they were looking for rather than my parents giving everyone the answer. And I think since that day, I have really seen the effects, you know, coming back to your original question that you asked me, I've seen just the effects of what these beauty standards impose on us and how we treat people differently because of their beauty standards. And every single day when I say I'm normalizing breaking beauty standards, I'm not doing one specific thing. Every single day, me living my life and stepping outside the house is me breaking those beauty standards, whether it's within the South Asian community, whether it's at family parties or whether it's walking down the street. I'm currently in Texas. I'm living in a red state for the first time in my life. And that's a adventure in itself, you know, being a bald brown girl. And so it's everything. It's at every given point, every step of the way, whether it's at the workplace or before when I was in school or in my dating life, I'm constantly, you know, me being myself and authentically living my truth is breaking and normalizing breaking these beauty standards. I'm so inspired by so much of what you just shared. And isn't it interesting how just existing differently, existing outside of this norm, this standard is such a revolutionary thing. I mean, incredible. Where do you think this confidence that you had achieved, you know, you said at this point in my life, I was more confident maybe in years prior, I hadn't, I wouldn't have been, where do you think that came from? And when you talked about, I just felt lit up inside, what was that? Where is it coming from? I think My confidence came, there was a lot of different places. I think when I say I was just lit up inside, I was lit up because I didn't necessarily have another way out. 
there was nothing that I could have done. I could have been really miserable in my situation and being really miserable with my life, which I had been prior. I had been, you know, I had lived in that miserable, oh my God, when is my hair going to grow back? All I want is my hair to grow back. To me, just accepting that this wasn't something that I could control. And I think after I stopped wearing my wig, so I stopped wearing my wig between the summer of junior year and senior year of high school. And for context, so maybe July, I stopped wearing my wig. And then the following February was when I shaved my head. So it was a very quick, um, just a handful of months where my hair grew back. I stopped wearing my wig. I went to school and I lived my life day to day, just, you know, with my hair. And then I started losing my hair again to when I decided to shave it. And I think at that point, those months of me not wearing a wig, I had experienced this just like liberating feeling of, okay, I can just be myself and not have to worry about this external thing, not have to worry about constantly putting on a wig. Not to say I wasn't worried about my hair because while my hair did grow back, I still had bald spots. I still had to worry about how to style it. I still had to worry about these things, especially when it started falling out again. It was still a concern, but it was still my own hair rather than me wearing a wig and trying to pull it off as my own. And so my first semester of my senior year, um, it was great. I was top 20 homecoming queen. I was president of a handful of clubs. I was involved with senior leadership. Um, I had a great group of friends. My sister had just gotten married. So I'd recently done a trip to India. And that in itself was such an amazing experience that when I had come back, I was just, I was seeing life differently. I was thinking outside of the little bubble that I had been living in. And I knew I was graduating in a couple of months. I knew that I was going to a different state to go to college. I knew that everything, like my situation that I was in was only temporary, that if anything were to go badly, I would be able to escape it. Although I knew that I wouldn't be able to grow my hair back. So it was kind of a risky decision to make. But at the same time, my family was supportive, as supportive as they could have been. My friends were really supportive. And at that time, um, I also had a boyfriend. I had, you know, a high school relationship that didn't last, of course. But at that time, it gave me the external validation that I needed from somebody. It gave me the confidence for me to be like, okay, what more do I need? I know that this is going to be what's best for me. I don't want to deal with just thinking about other people. My family, my friends, my boyfriend, they're still going to love me as I am. So if there's ever time to do it, it's now. I was just very empowered with the thought of being liberated and the thought of being free from this thing that had loomed over my life for so long. That was the biggest thing that was able to get me to make the decision that I did. I just thought about, I can go back and literally live in darkness, live under this wig, hide behind this wig be ashamed, constantly be worried about what people would think and and also constantly live my life thinking in terms of my wig. Oh, I can't go swimming. I'm wearing a wig. Oh, I can't go uh, join the dance team. I'm wearing a wig. Oh, I can't do a sleepover. I can't go to an overnight camp. College, like what what was I going to do in college? Like my roommate, my dorm situation, all of these things. Like how would I be able to 
live with a wig. And so I thought I was like, you know what, if there's ever a time to do it, it's now. It sounds like you were at this great transition point. You had the opportunity to reinvent yourself. And like you said, you had this support system, this incredible validation. So I want to talk about the moment where your hair started growing back and then you started losing it again. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was really disappointing. It was like I finally had everything that I was waiting for and hoping for. And then it was being taken away from me. And those, however many years, six, seven years that I was wearing a wig every day, all I wanted was for my hair to grow back. All I wanted was to stop wearing the wig. And so when I finally stopped wearing the wig, which was also a big decision in itself because it had become my safety net. It had become something I was hiding behind. And when I finally decided to stop wearing the wig, I was, I knew that this could potentially be something that would happen, that I would start losing my hair again. And then I would have to revert back or make another decision. But I didn't think about that for too much because I wanted to get rid of the wig if I could. And so I remember I had thought if I stopped wearing, so if I stopped wearing the wig July, August, September, October, I had thought that, okay, this is great. I'm out of the woods. All my hair's growing back. Everything is good. And come November, I had started losing my hair again. And with how alopecia works, there is no cure, but there are different treatments that you can try. There's no treatment that's guaranteed to affect and have a good impact because it's all related to your immune system. It's every person has a different reaction. And throughout my life, I had tried so many different, you know, home remedies, Ayurvedic treatments, dermatologist prescriptions, so many different treatments that at that point, I had kind of stopped everything and I was just letting my hair grow back naturally, which is what's bound to happen anyways. All of these things in my personal, just experience in my opinion is if your hair wants to come back, it's going to come back. If it doesn't want to come back, it's not going to come back. Yes, things might help it, but it's not a long-term solution. And so at that point, when I was losing my hair again, my bald spots and my hair loss was concentrated in smaller areas. And there was one treatment that we hadn't tried, which was steroid shots. And steroid shots are only able to be utilized if you have small concentrated areas of hair loss, because you can't inject shots all over your head. It has to be in those specific positions because you also can't inject too many steroids into your head. And so the hope is that the steroid shots will positively impact. It's going to help your hair grow back better and faster. For me, it was a negative reaction. So instead of it positively affecting me, I felt as though my hair was falling out quicker and faster. So after that point in time, that was kind of the last hope. The steroid shots were the last hope that, okay, let's try this shot in the dark. And it didn't work. After that point, it was a waiting game. We pretty much knew that, you know, one day or the next, it was going to happen. And the thing about hair loss is you are constantly reminded of it because everywhere you go, every second of the day, you touch your hair, chunks fall out. You take a shower, chunks fall out. When you wake up in the morning on your pillow, on the bed, 
there's just so much hair. And so you're constantly being reminded that you're losing hair and you can see yourself slowly, slowly, slowly getting to that point. And so it was really disappointing. My sister was getting married. She got married in India. So that was a three week long distraction for me and our entire family. That was three weeks that we weren't talking about me losing my hair or dealing with that because we had so much other stuff to deal with. And once we did come back from India, that's when all of the questions started. And that's when they really started harping on, on me to find a solution. I had found a temporary solution, which was extensions. So I'd gotten, I found this place, we'd gotten extensions, um, like sewn in extensions. And the lady had told us that the extensions would make my hair fall out faster because they put a lot of pressure on the scalp and it requires to be held onto the hair. So we knew going into that, that this is what was the impact going to be, that that's what the impact was going to be. But we were just trying to hold on a little longer. I was like, okay, I have this amount of hair. Let me just hold on a little more. This was about January in the timeline that I've gotten extensions and it lasted for, you know, about a month. And then there was really, there had to be a more long-term solution. And that's when, um, when I shaved my head, I still had a lot of hair. You couldn't tell that I was bald. I was still going without a wig. I was still, you know, going my day-to-day life. You could not tell that I would have been bald tomorrow. And it was a very preemptive decision that I made to shave my head because I, I would rather just get, get it over with. I don't want to see all the hair falling out every single day in the shower, in the bathtub, in, you know, my day-to-day life. So I just decided to shave it all off. So given that you went from, like you just said, having what appeared to be a full head of hair to preemptively going bald, what was that initial experience like? It was actually really great. I think back and it was a really positive memory, which thank God, you know, if it was a negative memory, um, that, that would have been really sad. But I remember I shaved my head and again, I threw a party. Hashtag Nihar's bald bash was what we had named it. And all of my closest friends were there. Some of my family was there. And my dad was the one that shaved my head. So my dad shaved my head. My friends were all there taking videos, Snapchatting, you know, watching me. And then I got up and I looked at the mirror. We had a long mirror in the living room and I looked at the mirror and I was bald. And I just remember looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, okay. And all of my friends were obviously like, you look so good. Like, you know, you look, I remember like at that time, Amber Rose was really popular. And so they were like, oh my God, you look like Amber Rose. Like, oh my God, you look like an Egyptian princess. Like I was getting all these things and I looked in the mirror and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't look half bad. And obviously it took some time getting adjusted to that. It took some time, like looking in the mirror and realizing, oh wow, like I'm bald. But I had thought about it for long enough that I knew, you know, I was ready for it. And I had posted on social media and all my friends had posted on social media. So there was no going back. I was kind of forced to go into school, you know, walked with my head held up high and all of this confidence. I think at the beginning, it was a little nerve wracking and I had sort of a fake it till you make it type of attitude. Not that I wasn't confident, 
I was, I was confident in my decision. I was happy that I made my decision and I was confident in the way that I looked. I was more so just nervous about how the world would react. And so there's only so much you can, confidence you can have within yourself at that point before the opinions of other people start, you know, coming in. And luckily I had a great reaction. Everyone was so supportive. Everyone at school was so supportive. Um, you know, my social media is everyone was so supportive. And then the following week when I talked to everyone at my sister's wedding reception, everyone was so supportive. And so after that point, I had a lot of confidence. I think after I shaved my head was probably the most confident that I've ever been. And that extended for a while. I would say that I graduated high school. I went into college and I was really confident. I was really confident in college. And I think as time has gone on, I've definitely become more insecure and more um, lack of confidence in other things. But I'm really happy to say that me being bald is not something that makes me insecure or that's something that takes away my confidence. I can look in the mirror and I can be insecure with how my body looks, or I could be insecure with, you know, like my skin having flawless skin or, or anything of that sort, but never am I insecure about me being bald. And I think that is just, that has been there from, from the first day, from day one. What do you do when those other insecurities come up? Because I think that's an interesting point you make. I think a lot of times when we see someone who comes across so confident in one area of their life, we assume it's a blanket statement and it applies to every part of their being. So what do you do when those insecurities do come up for you? How do you navigate that? I don't think that there is a perfect answer for this because I think every single day I navigate that differently. And that's just a part of, you know, your day-to-day life. I think that when I look in the mirror now, so so something that I have most, more recently been struggling with, I would say in the past couple of years has been body image and um, you know gaining weight and then losing weight and really look, loving yourself when you look in the mirror when it comes to body image. And at the beginning of quarantine, I had become really obsessed with coming out of quarantine looking perfect, looking amazing. I'm like, this is, I have no excuse. I'm in quarantine. I had that quarantine productivity, um, that, you know, everyone looks down upon because yes, we're in a pandemic. You don't need to be doing all these things, but I had gone into quarantine. I was like, no excuses. It's March by summertime. I'm going to have that bikini body. I'm going to work out every day, my diet, all of these things. And I had become kind of obsessed with the idea of achieving this to the point where I lost, I would say probably like 10 pounds in the first couple months of quarantine, all healthily, like I was eating well, but I was not happy. I would look in the mirror and I would not be happy with myself and I would not be happy with how I looked. And there's one thing to be constantly, you know, thinking like, okay, like this is good, but I want to do better. And I still have ways to go for my goals, but it wasn't that it was like a okay, whatever. Like, yeah, I've lost this weight, but it's not good enough versus this is good, but let's do a little bit better. And I think in those situations, it was something that my, my best friend had actually checked me on it. And she was like, you know, I understand. And I think it's really great, but this doesn't sound healthy. Like how you're going about this doesn't sound healthy. And that's when I took a step back 
And I was like, you're right. This doesn't sound healthy. And from that moment forward, I spent a lot of time. I took a step back from, you know, obsessively like working out, eating well, still remaining healthy, but just took a step back and thought, you know, what is wrong with how I look right now? And I spent the rest of quarantine really um, just spending time on myself rather than spending time on how I look and spending time on things, nourishing the other parts of me, nourishing what makes my soul happy rather than how I look in the mirror. Something that my best friend always says is love your body as if it belonged to somebody else or as if it belonged to someone that you love. And that was something that I mid quarantine kind of had the realization of. And I often talk about this year as like me dating myself. I spent a long time dating myself and just doing the things that I wanted to do to make me happy. And it's just like, you know, when you're in a relationship, when you have a significant other, they say that it's a choice. Like loving the other person every day is a conscious choice that you have to make. The same way, loving yourself every day is a conscious choice that you have to make. Looking in the mirror and looking at yourself and just smiling. Like those are things that I never did before that I now do. Like I look at myself and like, you look good, you know, and just, and being able to do that, you know, that thought can be so uncomfortable. Like just being alone in your room, even though nobody's watching, you still think that all eyes are on you and, and that's how you act. And I think just making the conscious decision to love yourself. And I don't even say regardless of all these imperfections, because why are they, why do we think that they're imperfect to begin with? That's how I feel about me um, with my, with my hair. And I think a lot of my love and self-love and all of how I feel with my body image, I ground myself by thinking about my hair and thinking about, you know, I'm so confident and I preach all these things. And I say, you know, who cares if you don't have hair, this doesn't define me. In the same way, why doesn't this apply to everything else? Who cares if you don't have rock solid abs? Like that doesn't define you. And and it's true. And we are so, so, so hard on ourselves at all times because of ourselves, but also because of our family, because of society, because of all of these pressures that social media and these, you know, 15 year old girls on TikTok put on us. It's funny to me because as a millennial who we're currently being attacked by <laughs> the younger crowd on TikTok for our side parts and skinny jeans and all that. Um, what does define us or what do you want to be defined by? This sounds really simple and this sounds like a really simple answer. But when I was first thinking about shaving my head and I had brought it up to my family and I had brought it up to the people around me that, you know, I was going to shave my head. Something that really sticks out today. And this is a very, very strong memory. And this is what has fueled everything that I do on a day to day basis with my social media platform, with the message that I want to spread. When I had talked about shaving my head and I'd mentioned it to my grandmother, my grandmother's very first and blatant and main reaction was, But who's going to marry you? If you shave your head, who is going to marry you? That was the biggest reason that I had then decided to then shave my head because I thought to myself and I told her, and now I tell everyone else this, that if someone doesn't want to marry me because 
I don't have hair on my head, why would I ever want to marry that person? If someone's going to look at all of the different parts of me, of the things that make up who I am, my skills, my interests, my, you know, everything, and they're going to disregard everything because of a physical attribute that I can't control, then why would I ever want to be with that person? And in the same breath, you know, what does define us? There's so many things on a day-to-day basis. There's so many things that make me happy. There's so many things that I put my energy and effort towards. There's all of these things that make me who I am as a person. And now being bald is a part of my identity because it, um, I feel so strongly about it because I think it portrays a very significant part of what my values are and what I believe. But that's because I chose that to be the reason. If I didn't choose it to be that way, I wouldn't want that to define me. My hair loss is not something that was a choice. Me being bald was a choice, but me having hair loss was not a choice. So why is that something that I'm defined by? Just like the color of your skin is not a choice. Just because your body is not your choice. All of these different things, you know, with family you were born into, all of these different things are not things that truly make up who we are. So why are we defined by them? Absolutely. And what is, you know, you've mentioned your grandmother a couple of times. What is her take on all of this now? Has it changed at all? What's your relationship like now? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we've made too much progress in that department. My parents, our relationship has changed drastically. When I first shaved my head, my mom was really worried. She was really worried about what this, the impact that this would have on my life. I mean, rightfully so as a mother, she thought about 20 steps ahead. I was just thinking about, you know, I don't want to go to high school anymore with wearing a wig, but she was thinking about all these things. She was thinking about tomorrow I have to go to college. The next day I'm going to start working in the world. The following day I am maybe not going to get married, but going to get in a relationship. And then eventually I'm going to get married. And then eventually I'm going to have kids and all of the downstream impact of what my decision would make. And my mom was really worried about how people would react. And she was most worried about how I would take that. Like if I would be able to be strong enough to deal with what the world was going to throw in my face. And since that moment in time, my mom has become so confident. My mom has become the spokesperson of being your authentic self. And coming from, you know, my parents immigrated here and traditional family background, we are a very traditional family. We don't really speak English at home. We um, primarily, you know, like all of our cultural backgrounds and all the stuff we've held onto it very, very tightly. Coming from that background to now my family being so proud of the fact that yeah, I don't have hair. And yes, this doesn't make me weaker. This only makes me stronger. That has truly been the most amazing thing to see. My mom is my biggest advocate. When it comes to social media, she takes all my pictures. She's my photographer. She is literally my creative director. She's partially my stylist. Like my mom is so invested in this because she believes in the message. She believes in the journey. She believes in Um, The fact that I walk out into the world confidently and other women should be able to do the same thing. 
I love that so much. And it's so true. You know, our parents are always going to worry. And a lot of times that worry feels like a burden and feels like it's caging us, right? Until and unless we come forth and actively say, confidently say, it's going to be okay. Let me prove that to you. And then there's this opportunity to flip once you show, hey, actually it is okay to empower upwards, empower those previous generations. And I'm so glad to hear that it's, you know, changed your relationship with your parents in a more positive way. And I I think we have to pick our generational battles, right? But I love hearing that your mom is your social media cheerleader. Tell me more about what you're hoping to create and achieve with your social media presence. The biggest thing is really just spreading the message to anyone and everyone. I think that I really growing up, you know, I was growing up around the time where YouTube had just become a thing and then makeup beauty grows on YouTube had just become a thing. And a lot of us grew up with the fact that social media and pop culture was becoming our norm, but we didn't have that South Asian representation. And now we do. We have a lot of that South Asian representation, don't have enough. That's consistently a battle, you know, that we all, we want more representation in the media. We want more representation all around. But I think for me growing up, not only was I looking for that South Asian representation, I was really looking for someone, anyone that could be a beacon of hope to me that could in any bit, slightest form, just show me that they too are going through something similar and give me a perspective that was different from the one that I was living. And there was so many different times, you know, throughout my life, whether it was when I had, before I had shaved my head and I was thinking about shaving my head, I would look for inspo, look for anything, like show me bald woman anywhere that I can just look and say like, oh, maybe I can look like this. Maybe I can look to this. Maybe I can see this. Even before I shaved my head, um, I would try to figure out what hairstyles I could do with my wig. Like, how do I best wear my wig or how do I make my wig look natural? Now there's a lot of resources. Black women are amazing. They have done, especially for us, for us wig wearers or those suffering hair loss, they have really turned the tables. I, for fun, now watch so many um, Black women creators just wig applications and all these things. And sometimes I send them to my sister and I'm like, gosh, like imagine, imagine if I had this back in the day. But even more so after I shaved my head, I had actually lost my eyebrows um, a little after I shaved my head, I'd lost all my hair and then I'd lost my eyebrows. And I would look for eyebrow tutorials that were actually like real eyebrow tutorials. I don't want to know how I can make my already there eyebrows look thicker. I want to know how I can paint eyebrows on my face that will look realistic and that will stay throughout the day. God knows how much money I've spent on a variety of eyebrow products to kind of just figure out my own way. And now as time has gone on, there are so many other ways that I look for representation. Something that I talk about a lot is when I shaved my head, I was living as a bald woman, but I would still look into the future and I would look at all the big moments of my life, college graduation, working, getting married. I would look at all these things and I would picture me with hair on my head. As a bald woman, 
I was looking to my future and picturing me with the hair on my hair on my head because one, maybe I wasn't fully accepting that that was my reality or that was my future. Maybe I was still holding on to a sliver of hope. But even more than that, it was, I didn't know what other picture to paint. I didn't have another picture to look to the paint. Even till today, you know, I think about getting married and, you know, every girl dreams about all their, their Pinterest board of all the things that they want to do when they're married and how their wedding's going to look like. And I think about how am I going to set my dupatta? I don't have hair to clip my dupatta in. What jewelry am I going to wear? I don't have hair to stick a tikka to, but I want all these things. And I think about how there is no representation. There is no one that I can look to that has led this lifestyle and that is showing the world, okay, this is how I got ready on my wedding day. This is how I'm doing this. Even in the fashion space, beauty, fashion in general, now, um, especially in like American fashion and Westernized fashion, shorter haired women, buzz cut women, bald women are more, more popular. It's not the norm, but it's, it is becoming increasingly more popular. But in South Asian fashion and beauty, that's non-existent. That's not a thing. With all these thoughts, you know, I just told myself, I was like, you know, how long am I going to wait for someone else to come and pave the way? And in the past, I think it's been about six years now that I've shaved my head. I've had so many people just reach out to me just saying like, hey, my cousin has alopecia and if you can just talk to her and if you can just kind of share your experiences because I see that you're so confident and she's struggling with it. There's so many situations like this where I feel, you know, I am at peace with myself. I am at peace with my situation. And honestly, I am happy about it. I think that alopecia was not um, something terrible that happened to me. I think it was my biggest blessing, a huge blessing in disguise. It has made me the person that I am today. And I truly, truly love my life. And everyone always asks me, oh, are you going to try to grow your hair back? Oh, are you, what if there's this treatment or there's this? And I'm just like, you know, maybe I'm not going to say for the rest of my life, this is a life that I want to live. Maybe 20 years from now, I'm going to be like, yeah, let me try to grow my hair back. But right now, if all of my hair grows back tomorrow, you best believe I'm shaving all of it off. Like this is the life that I want to live. And the biggest thing that I want to do with my platform is just show people that you can be different and you can look different and you can still live a very fulfilling lifestyle. You know, there's so many people, there's so many things that we worry about what people are going to think and even just styling yourself. Like, how am I supposed to dress to best suit my head? How like earrings, like I used to think that I couldn't wear earrings because they looked really weird with my head. And just kind of just being that person that you can look to and, and it doesn't have to be alopecia. It doesn't have to be hair loss. Everyone has something. Everyone has something that they're insecure about. Everyone has something that they're going through that could be something that's very apparently physical, or it could be something that's not. And just looking and saying like, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be so bad. Maybe this doesn't have to be such a bad thing. And it all comes back to perspective and it's so much easier said than done, but if you just live in your truth and live authentically and love yourself, you're going to be all the more happier for it. It's such a good point to be the representation that you're seeking because why is it that 
the differences seem so, you know, like outliers because we hide them because we push them down. And like you said, everyone has something, everyone has something. And a lot of times when one person starts speaking out about their quote unquote difference, right. From the majority or the norm that we see, there are so many hands that go up saying me too. I was here suffering in silence. And so it really is so important for Obviously, everyone's at a different point in your journey, but for anyone listening, if you're starting to feel like, okay, I can do this, I can forge a path for someone, I can be that face and that voice for someone, you know, step into that because people need that. I think what you're doing is incredible. Nihar, what what is an assumption you think that people have about you that you want to dispel? We've touched on this briefly throughout the podcast, but I think just thinking that because I'm confident about this, I'm confident about everything, that I have it all together, that, oh, she can't be shaken. Oh, she's she's gone through this and she can't be shaken. And while I am confident, while I have dealt with these experiences that have made me stronger as a person, we always have something and there's always going to be other things. And I think, you know, you never know what someone's going through at any given point in time and just, you know, be, be kind, be kind to people, even though they might think that they have really thick skin. I personally do believe that I have thick skin. I get a lot of trolls um, on a day to weekly basis um, in my DMs, on my TikTok video, commenting on my reels, commenting. And while it doesn't bother me, they think that they could say these things to me because I'm so confident and it doesn't bother me, but it can bother somebody else. So just be a little kinder in the world. Everyone doesn't have everything together. And we all have little pockets of ourselves that we're continuously trying to nourish and give love to. I love it. Where can people connect with you? How can they get in touch with you? Tell us all the things. Yes, I am on all socials at Nihar Sachdeva. And that's mainly I'm on Instagram and also make some fun videos on TikTok. Don't have a Twitter, but I'm exploring that. But I am also in Clubhouse at Nihir Sucheva. So I'm often um, joining a lot of these chats and talking about breaking brown beauty standards, having alopecia as a South Asian woman, et cetera, et cetera. Love that. And I will share all of that in the show notes. Nihar, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do you know someone who could use some inspiration around breaking beauty standards? Do you know someone who is feeling the pressure of our community's beauty standards in a way that's keeping them from living life on their own terms, in their full confidence and full self-love? Then what are you waiting for? Send this episode to a friend and help be their inspiration. Until next time.